Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Brett. How are you? I'm well. And you? I'm great. We're recording this a couple of days before Thanksgiving, and I'm looking forward to some family time. And I can already smell the food cooking. The vegan, the vegan, vegan Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Feast. That's right. And everyone gets to ask me and you questions about what you right. eat and what you don't only eat. I'm and with a bunch of vegans. Are you? Yeah, I'm not. That issue I'm the only family, ones. Right? They all stare at me and say, "What are you going to eat?" <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yep. I think our guest is ready to be introduced and have a conversation. Oh, so. should we? Oh, hi, hi, Olga. Hi, Olga. Our guest today is Olga <laughs> Vodolazic. Did I pronounce that right? No way. Vod- not even. Vod- not Vod- even. Wait, 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 wait. No. Vodolishi. There's so many letters there. Let's rewind. Vodolishi. I, I, I introduced you at an event let's, recently. Let's give it a few more tries, Jeff. Let's give it a few more tries. Vodolishi. Let's see if it, in 30 minutes he can Vodolishi. Right. Right. I'm not even going to try. Vodolaski. 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 I know there are too many letters there. No, you know, initially there was this N-S-K-I. And that would sort of give it away. But mm. with the S-C-H-I, it's just... It's, it's they four, make it more anytime I see four consonants in a row, it just, my brain turns off. So Yeah. Olga Vodalski. Not even. Is that right? Is the founder of OV Law Group, focused on corporate and real estate tax structuring and planning, cross-border tax structuring, pre-immigration planning, oh. estate planning, counting, tax compliance... All kinds of compliance. Olga has spent her professional formative years at one of the big four accounting firms in the mergers and acquisitions department. After that, she moved into a mid-sized advisory and accounting firm to focus on the private client side, where she guided high net worth individuals and corporations, family offices, and trust companies from all over the world. She holds a JD and an LLM in tax, and she's licensed to practice in Florida and New York. And... Her services are offered in five languages. Right. Full stop and pause there for five me. languages. That is everything else is impressive. That yeah. is off thank the you. charts. Welcome, Olga. Well, thank you guys for having me. Welcome. Thank you. And thank I, you so I apologize for butchering your name. I now understand why it's O V Law Group. Right. <laughs> Without the last name, right? Without, Imagine I, that. I'm, Imagine right. that. But it's not that hard. I mean No, not, go ahead, please. Vodolaski. Did I do wow. it right? Should have had image. You why, see that? Why was and, I doing and that? And I and I love that. Is that Russian? Is that a Russian name or what's the what's the It is such a mix of things. It's Russian, mm-hmm. Polish, mm-hmm. Ukrainian, Moldovan, a little wow. bit of everything. A little yes. bit of everything kind a of mixed in there. Is that why it's so, is that why it's so long? It's so long, right? I know. A few letters <laughs> from every culture, right? right? I know. Right. Well, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so nice, much. It's nice to meet you. Thank you so much. So you started on the finance did you start on the financial side of things and then move over to the practice of law at one of the big four accounting firms? Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I think even before law school, sort of before understanding what I'm getting into, I decided to be a paralegal. So in a paralegal in a big law firm in New York. I was working in the litigation department. So I definitely worked long, long hours to get a feel of what it is to be on the legal side. And somehow they didn't scare me as at the end of, of the two years that I've done, they actually said, oh, you still want to go to law school. So now, um, now you did that thinking that you wanted to go to law exactly, school. Exactly. Yes. I wanted to give it a try. And did somebody um, give you that suggestion or how'd you know to go work as a paralegal before law school? 
I guess I was speaking to other people, but I just thought, you know, law school is three years and I heard that it's more theoretical than practical. So I wanted to see first the practical side. I guess I'm generally a very practical person. Right. So, and looking back, it was definitely an excellent experience because first year of law school made so much more sense. Right. I I love Um, that idea, by the way. Working as a paralegal before going to law school as a as a way to sort of dip your toe in the water. Yes. I just don't know, was it that easy to go get a job as a paralegal? And and do law firms want to hire someone who they know is going to go to law school? I guess so. I would. I would. Would you? Well, he's answering his own questions there you now. Go. So. <laughs> That's great. We no, it was on. great. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Like, for example, civil procedure first year made sense because I've seen all those papers in litigation case. It was a copyright infringement case. So I've seen all those motions. So it actually, I understood the purpose of all of them. So law school definitely made much more sense. And and then, you know, during those three years, I took a bunch of classes and somehow I decided taxes for me because again, I like the analytical side. Mm-hmm. I like to look at the code. I, I like to figure out why and, and how to get to the end goal. So Tax it is. So here un- we are. <laughs> so your undergraduate work before law school and your LLM, did you do that here in the United States? Or yes. did you okay. So when did you move? Can we here? back up? Yeah. yeah. So what, let's, sure. uh, let's start sure. from all the way in the beginning. Yeah, where so where, where were you actually to, born in? Yeah. So I was right, born right. in Eastern Europe. I was born in Moldova. Mm-hmm. Small country between Romania and Ukraine. It's in the news lately also yeah. as mm. neighboring to all the things that are happening currently in that part of the world. And I moved here when I was 16. I moved for college. So I went to college. I went to Skidmore College, upstate New York. 16? Um, yes, when I was 16. You went to college when you were 16. When I was 16, okay. I wow. started 17. So it was sort of right, right before. Right. And I went to Skidmore, lovely Saratoga Springs, upstate New York. I did my undergrad in economics and political science. Um, then I moved to New York and I did the paralegal mm-hmm. job. And then I decided to go to law school. I went to Seton Hall in New Jersey, and then I figured that I would like to focus on Latin American market because of my foreign languages and Miami is the gateway to Latin America. And it was, it was different, definitely different scene than it is today. For sure. But again, looking back, I think it was a great decision. And I moved to Miami to do my LLM in tax because I figured to actually practice tax, you do need some extra in-depth understanding Mm -hmm. and the UM has one of the best programs in international tax. There are only a handful of law schools around the country that do the LLM in international tax. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It was one year. So I got much more understanding of the tax code, living and breathing it in, in the wall between, you know, in the walls of the library. And that's how I started from, and then I, I joined one of the big four accounting firms. Mm-hmm. And I started uh, in M&A. So I, I saw, again, sort of the accounting mixed with the legal side. Did you come over to the U.S. by yourself or with family? My older sister lives in New York. Mm. So I at the end of the day, I was on my own yeah. in, wow. in school. But so my parents went back home. Mm-hmm. And I have 12 years difference with my older sister. Mm. She was always supporting me. And it was a four-hour train ride from Saratoga yeah. Springs to New York. Yeah. 
So I would come once in a while, but definitely it was in the beginning, it was an adjustment. Culturally, I mean, it's your typical liberal arts college, but it was small. I always wanted to go to a liberal arts college because you have that sort of family feel. I mean, right. the whole school, if I remember, was 1,200 students, That's small. 1,200, 1,400, so something along those numbers. So it was it was cold. Maybe that's one of the reasons I ended up in Miami. It was really, really yeah, cold. Yeah, yeah. It's about an hour away from Toronto. so But not dissimilar to Moldova, I would imagine, right? About Correct, yeah, yes. Yeah. But I am not a fan of the cold. The cold Let's just right, put right, it out right, there. Right, right, yeah, I am enough. not a fan of the cold. Fair enough. But it was yes. a lateral move and then... And then came and then, south. Yes. Did you, and do you have family that still lives in Moldova? My parents actually moved to the U.S. not long ago, and they are on the West Coast. They're in California. Oh, okay. So we are, we are spread, uh-huh. spread all over the country. They're in California. I'm in Florida. My sister is in New York. Nice. Oh, and we're actually meeting for Thanksgiving. Oh, oh nice. There you Today. go. In, in California? Oh, that's super nice. Here. Oh, here. oh that's, that's so that's, nice. I'm heading to California for Oh, yeah, I remember. Yes, I remember. That, that'll, so, that'll be our next podcast. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I want to know about up? those vegan recipes. Yeah, let's go. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of That's, a whole, ones, that's yeah. another podcast episode. Oh, yeah, right we should do that. Uh, All right. I'm, idea. Nelson, mark that down. We'll get we'll get like one listen. Furiously, right? Me. To the old guy, right. So... When did you pick up the language? And then pick up, I know, is the wrong term. But, but did you already speak five languages when you came to right. the U.S.? So, so in Europe, generally, I think there's that mentality that you need to speak a few more languages than your native one. Mm. So, again, by, by virtue of location and in Eastern Europe, my parents are Russian, so I spoke Russian at home. But in Moldova, the official language is Moldovan Romanian which is basically a difference between what we speak here in the U.S. and in England. It's, like a dialect. Um, right. Mm-hmm. So my native languages, I always consider both Russian and Romanian because I went to a Romanian school, but I spoke Russian at home. And then throughout school, I always learned French and Spanish. And English was also one of the sort of, I, I attended a language school as well. But they're all from the Latin family of languages. So once you pick up one, you figure out the grammar and sort of the root of the Mm -hmm. words. For example, Romanian and Spanish are very similar. And then French comes along. So so basically I picked it up while I was still growing up in Moldova. And then when I I started college, I did a study abroad program and then I stayed a little bit longer in Spain. I actually did an internship in an NGO which was great experience as well. I was writing speeches in English and translating them into Spanish. It was it was great. Oh, wow. And then obviously moving to Miami, this is this is the place to use to use the Spanish. I would say in my practice I use it more than I use English on a daily basis. Really? For my clients. Yeah. I, I wish there were more of an emphasis on that in the United States. But we're so insulated here. You know, in Europe, it's if you take a train, you can go into three different countries. Here, we're so insulated that everyone's like, oh, it's, you're going to learn English. And and, and so we use it as a crutch. Yeah. I think people assume, yes, that everybody speaks English. Right. Right. And I feel like the kids, like they do mandate it in the schools, but you don't want to learn it. And then later in life is when you really want it. You're like, wow, I really should have paid attention. Yeah. Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think they're using it more. I think they're, you know, they see it, they need it more now, but it's really Spanish, at least down here, right, uh, is the primary focus. And I think yes. there's some that learn French and Mandarin to some extent as well. But I think that Spanish is the primary 
second language I think that is taught in the schools here. For sure. Um, but man, I would love to see more of an emphasis. I wish I wish it was that way when we were younger, you know? Yeah. Miami is a is a separate mm-hmm. is a little separate world, right? Oh, it, From the oh, rest yeah. of the state and of the country, it I would sure say. Is. So definitely such a melting pot and Spanish is important here. So let's get into the the tax. Why why tax? Why do you like it? Why do you focus on it? And then let's get into your into your practice and, and what's sure. your focus. Sure. So I guess going back to law school, right? I, I tried different classes and mm-hmm. and tried to see what are those different areas. And I I really stuck with tax. Again, I mentioned I, I like the analytical side and sort of the analysis. And it is the it has the practical aspects also. And I do like to help people at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we are in this to to help our clients, no matter what practice you're in. Mm-hmm. And I ended up focusing on the international side by virtue of our location, right? Miami, majority of my clients are Latin Americans, I would say. My connections are mostly in Latin America. I work with law firms, family offices, trust companies, such jurisdictions as Peru, Mexico, Colombia. I would say those are the major, mm-hmm. the biggest hubs of clients for me. And the typical client, right? The typical high net worth individual that moves to Miami either to start a business mm-hmm. or to buy some real estate or the kids are already going to school or they're starting to attend school. So there are always all those questions, right? What do I, how will tax affect me? How do I structure my assets in a more efficient way? How do I deal with IRS, right? So, so I'm basically on the side before the controversy happens, right? Right. Trying to help them avoid it. Exactly. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. plan it all accordingly. Mm -hmm. So, so there are no issues in the future. So if I'm a business owner or an individual, whether I'm in business or not, and I'm, I think that I want to move to Miami, is is that the time that I reach out to you for advice? Yes. I usually work very closely with immigration attorneys Mm -hmm. because as the client is deciding what is the route from Mm an immigration point of view, is it a business visa, is it an immigrant visa, non-immigrant, that affects the tax side, right? To understand Mm -hmm. what would be the tax consequences for the individual and for the businesses, business or businesses, right? Depending what they have. Yeah. So it's always in the beginning Mm -hmm. before he or she or they or the business starting in the US, in Florida or whichever other state. I'm I'm not limiting to I'm not limiting my practice to Florida. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I have clients who are in California as well in Texas. Right. Depends on the on the type, on the nature of, of the business and where they want to settle down. And now we you said your clients are largely based in Latin America. Mm-hmm. Is that a product of your practice? In the big four accounting firms, were you, is that was that your client base there, or how did you develop that? I guess when I moved to the smaller size, mid-size, smaller size accounting firms, I was handling a lot of business development side of the business. Mm. So I was traveling a lot to Latin America. I would give speeches, presentations. I would go to Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. attend different tax conferences, and that way, that way you you make connections yeah, and you right. meet people. And usually the clients that I target and the the type of clients that I have, once they decide to make the move, they always reach out to their local council and then the local council reaches out to me, right? So that that's basically sort of organically, right. I get involved in, in the process once the US comes up, right? In the mm-hmm. conversation. Right. What are you seeing in terms of your clientele? Is it either in numbers, right? In today's market? 
Are you seeing more people coming, less people coming, or interested in in coming? And what's the nature of the either the reasons for them coming, or you know, has it changed? Has it has it evolved over time? Sure. So I guess it depends on the jurisdiction, but you know, Latin America, it's always the very often turbulent times mm. from a political point of view, security point of view. Recently, there were the elections in Colombia, for example. Mm. So I definitely see a wave of people trying to move to to Miami. A few years ago, there were elections in Peru. Same thing. We just had the one in um, Brazil, right? Right. For example, so it's it definitely it always depends on the local situation and yeah. the local climate yeah. exactly. But yes, I mean Miami will always be. A, an attractive place right. to come, whether it's for business, for security, for financial purposes. Mm-hmm. A lot of Latin Americans prefer to start business here just because they feel more secure yeah. with the financial system here. Mm-hmm. Even though they can continue doing business abroad, sure. but they just have sort of a, a station here. But still, all the transactions and everything happens yeah. it's not outside. just And it's not just financial security, it's also personal safety security. For sure, right? for yeah. sure. Personal safety, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, Mexico, for the same reasons, personal security. Sure. So, yes, it's, it's sort of, it, it comes and goes in waves, but there mm-hmm. are always changes in each country. Either they have a tax reform, you know, they have wealth tax in Colombia, for example, which yeah. is a new big topic. So... It changes. I would say there's sort of a new country that is more in the becoming hotter from, you know, every two, three years. Mm. And is most of your practice, is it inbound work? Most of it's foreigners coming to the U.S. or do you work the other way as well? Sure. Mostly it's inbound, but I do have cases when people are considering for example, leaving the U.S. so they need to renounce the green card or their citizenship. So there's a lot of tax consequences that come with that, right? There's the exit tax that they have to consider. Planning, again, if they have some estate planning and they already have U.S. trusts and they have U.S. beneficiaries, foreign beneficiaries. So it sort of depends if they are not U.S. tax residents anymore, then some measures have to be taken. Why would someone have to renounce their green card? What's what's an example of why that would come up? I recently had a client, he was a Peruvian, and he just considered that he's paying much more taxes here than in Peru. Not so all council would so agree with that. To, <laughs> Not all right. council would agree with that, right. but neither from U.S. point of view, yeah. no Peruvian. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're advocating for clients, yeah, right. for clients' wishes. But, so yes. they renounce. So they just, renounce the green card and they move back to their country. Or in some other cases, you know, this is also a typical, a typical answer from a lot of clients that I wanted to receive my green card so my kids can receive the green card so they can have, you know, mm-hmm. better opportunities and set their life here in the U.S. So once that goes through the immigration process, they say, I'm going back. I'm done with That's the U.S. So interesting, but everybody, everybody has their own, sure. own and personal. I, and situation. I know your primary focus is Latin America, but if there's clients that are coming from other parts of the world, are you able to help them as well? Sure. For example, in Miami, there's a big Russian-speaking community, mm-hmm. and of course, since I'm, I have my Russian background, I have a few Russian clients as well. I have some Spaniard clients. My focus is Latin America, but. Always happy to help other jurisdictions and, and other foreigners. Olga, I wanted to shift gears if I may. May I? Are you 
Are you done with your line of questioning? I mean, no. I feel like you already no. have shifted gear. I mean, you, can't, you can't jump in and say, I want to shift gears. Oh, is that okay? I right. mean, you, okay, so. you should really do that before. I should but, but All right. Let's I go. Will, I've let's learned go. a lesson for next time. Let's make Thank the left you. turn. So uh, now I don't even remember where we're going. See? No. There you go. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about the the practice at a big four accounting firm because I think that's foreign to a lot of lawyers. You know, I think the traditional path is lawyers go to work at law firms. But right. You went to work at, I guess, two different accounting right. firms. And so did you ever practice at a law firm besides starting your own? I haven't actually. Okay. I guess you worked as a paralegal, so you have yes. a little bit of a perspective. Yes. And I'm curious how it's different or is it the same? Is it just like being a lawyer and you're working with accountants? or? Yes. At- so I think the difference is that you see more of the practical side from accounting point of view. Because what I've seen a lot that there's a discrepancy between, since I'm a lot on the compliance side, right? I've seen a lot of discrepancy often between lawyers who give advice on structuring, on you know corporate advice, the the real estate, the sort of the the, the tax setup of a structure mm-hmm. for a client who moves to the U.S., and then the accountant who needs to he or she needs to figure out how to report all of this. So. The attorneys often don't know what compliance has to be done, what are the forms that have to be reported. So they're more of a theoretical thinkers and they count in some of practical mm. thinkers. So I think since I've been on the accounting side so many times, and again, I'm not a CPA myself, but I know enough to understand what has to be reported, why, what type of forms have to be reported, because... IRS is a whole different world, especially when it comes to international side. There are hundreds of forms that have to be filed just for informational purposes. Right. So I definitely like that experience because I went for the accounting side. But yes, as an attorney in an accounting firm, you don't technically practice law, but you do write memos, you give advice, you look at the structures. So there is that legal component. But I think it's it's different from a law firm because in a law firm, it's sort of right. pure, more of the legal side. And was there a group? I mean, forgive my ignorance on this, but was mm-hmm. there a, a group of attorneys or were you just part of a group and you happened to be an attorney? It's actually in m and in that, um, no, that time when I joined, there was actually a trend of big four hiring attorneys. Lawyers. Hiring attorneys because especially in m and it's more of a legal side. It's not right. just... You know, the federal side, you know, the the partnership department or the corporate department where you do more just the compliance, the partnership returns, the corporate returns, you know, the state returns, because there are all of those groups as well. But the M&A, they actually had a trend of hiring lawyers to have that more analytical side and the legal background. Mm. Because you had to deal a lot with the tax code. Right. But is it, was it specifically tax M&A? Or was mm-hmm. this like, were you part of an M&A team, you know, There's due diligence M&A. that does, oh, tax, tax M&A. M&A. Okay. Yes. All right. So it's the tax consequences of a merger or Correct. an acquisition. Correct. Very interesting. Yes. And yes. now, and when did you start your own firm? I started it five years ago and sort of going back to the accounting, that's why I thought, which again, is not very typical for an attorney to provide compliance services, but I thought I'll merge those two together. Mm-hmm becomes a one-stop shop for client who doesn't need to have an attorney and an accountant and then they need to talk to each other and figure out how to how to report all of that. So once I do the structure, then I maintain it, meaning I report all the entities, the individual level, mm-hmm. state level, depending what they have. Oh, sorry, the returns yeah. with them? 
So I have accountants and staff who do that. Nice. Okay. At your firm. Yes. So we all work together. But yes, so once we do the structure, we look what has to be reported. I make sure that we know all the steps and then the accountants implement it. And do you also help out with the controversy if there's an issue that arises with the IRS? I mean, we do answer notices. Of mm-hmm. course, we do get notices here and there for mm-hmm. the clients. But if it's something more substantial, I would definitely refer to a colleague who is actually versed in controversy and does mm-hmm. that on a daily basis. But, you know, the typical notices for not filing a, a foreign right. a foreign company or sure. or simple things like that, we handle that in-house. Yeah, I know that that may be labeled under controversy. To me, that's more like inquiry, right? Right. Um, controversy, if you, you know, it gets a little more in depth. So what are you seeing? I know we actually did a, a podcast recently with somebody who doesn't do international tax and talking about, you know, the budget, the new budget for the IRS and, and the focus on compliance and chasing down tax dodgers, you know. Do-do-do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you see coming down the pike? I mean, how does that, How would that or how may that impact your practice in international tax? I guess that's a good point to always bring up to clients who are a little bit hesitant Mm -hmm. maybe to report certain things. You know, the mentality of clients in Latin America is a bit different from Mm -hmm. the mentality of our clients in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You know, when everybody hears the word IRS here, you want to over 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 report and then sort of to be as transparent as possible. Mm. But as what we were talking before in Latin America due to, you know, political reasons, personal safety, right. reporting is not always at the top of the list. So the fact that there's, you know, IRS is mentioning that there are more more agents, more budgets. So I definitely like to mention that to clients and say that we have to be as transparent as possible. Mm-hmm. But I think it will take some time for actually, you know, for the agents to be active and right. for the process to actually start of hunting down. Right. right. Yeah. It's um, not like they flip a switch and all of a sudden. Yes. No. I mean, we're dealing with the government. So but it will take time. But it's good for your business. I mean, it is reality. Definitely. The, the more yes. ominous the IRS is, the more tax planning clients need to do, right? Ominous. Sure. Ominous. Um, threatening or workers. Wow. More, the stronger it is, the more, right. you know, In thorough theory, they are, the yes. more thorough they are. Yes. It just depends what, you know, what they will be focused on and, and what actual areas, sure. right? But at a minimum, it requires you to advise your clients that, listen, right. there is going to be some increased scrutiny exactly. potentially in these areas. And so you may want to think exactly. about that in terms of disclosure and structure right. and things, right? Right, right. Interesting. Well, we are in interesting times. Have you been fascinating? <laughs> have you been back to Moldova recently? I'd love world travel. So I know Jeff. Have you been to Moldova? I, I've never been to Moldova, actually. No, actually, I, you know, I haven't been there mm-hmm. in about 12 years. Wow. Since my family's here. Right. No. I don't know. I don't know if now is necessarily the right time to go either. Yes, I, don't I, know, I was but, just about to mention yeah, that. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably this is not the best time yeah. um, to go to yeah. check out what's happening in the neighboring country. Yeah. But yeah. yes, unfortunate events. Yeah. So Olga, I would imagine there's a lot of um, international business people or people who have em- immigrated here who are listening to this podcast and wondering, do they call Olga or do they call a CPA when they have a tax question? So what's the answer? They should definitely call Olga. There I think. you go. <laughs> I think they should definitely call Olga. That was a softball. I mean, I, I, 
I think, you know, I, I knew the answer. Well, she, I mean, she knocked it out of the park. <laughs> yeah. I, would say I mean, so. you threw it right down the middle. I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was impressive because even if you need a CPA, Olga, right. Olga has, you need Olga anyway. She has that service. And she has the services. Uh, she can provide all, that to you. All under a single roof. Yeah, just sit there, Olga. We'll, we'll take a look. I, I love this. Yeah, I, we'll I'm, just, we I'm are just your marketing. Here. Yes, we'll just, I'm, I'm just sitting here. We'll yes. just talk about how amazing. And what we discovered before we started was that Olga is in the process of learning or trying to learn a sixth language. Hebrew. There is no stopping, Olga. How many languages that do you will, want to that learn? Will take a ta- that will take a while to I add that to my actual yeah. list, but... Yeah, well, right. You have to be right. I mean, before you, that that raises a very good point, which is you can't really just be sort of minimally conversational in language. You've got to really understand the legal side, right? Before you can put on your website and be conversant with clients in in what we do, right? Of course. I mean, mean, this, yeah, these are subjects you have to be. More than right. just conversation. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. She doesn't just speak five languages. She offers legal services in five, in languages, five languages. Which is, that is it's incredible. Yeah. So we'll hold off on, on the Hebrew for a while. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not going to publicize that. But still, that's amazing. Kudos to you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Olga. This has been fun. Well, thank you so much, guys. This was a pleasure. I mean, for us, it's been fun. It was fun for us. I yeah. It might have been painful for her, but I know. thank you, it Brett. Was great. Thank it was you, great. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And if you like this episode, please give us a five-star review, follow the show, share it with your friends and family. If you have any questions or topics you want to hear from us, please let us know and we will see you next time. Thank you, Olga. And thank you, Nelson. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Shalom. Bye. For more information on this show and other resources, visit fastamron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at Fast Amron.